Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hey, welcome in Cube Show Podcast, the college football podcast that comes to you on Sunday, including Easter Sunday. Hope you all had a happy Easter, a happy Master Sunday as well. Uh, with a lot of extra golf being played today. We've got spring football games this weekend. Auburn Vanderbilt got going on yesterday. We're going to review those. Went back, watched a little bit of the tape on those. Uh, made out what we could. I don't know how much we're going to be able to take from those, but I'm going to give you what I can from both of those games. Obviously, uh, some interesting things happening with Auburn and Hugh Freeze taking over. Uh, Vanderbilt lost some talent, have some new guys coming in, I think are going to be able to help. So we'll, we'll kind of go through both of those. Our spring preview today is going to be South Carolina. They come up next weekend. we got a couple more spring games next Saturday. We've got Florida next Thursday, so we'll get to those next Sunday. Not a ton happening news-wise in the SEC over the past week as far as things that didn't really pertain to spring football. So a couple of you guys are a little frustrated that we had the Arkansas spring preview last week, yet we talked about a couple of newsworthy things before we went into that. One of the things Nick Saban had to say. We're, we're going to talk news and different happenings and notes at the beginning of each show. Rarely are we just going to dive into one team and go one full team. So I'm sorry about the four minutes or three minutes that you had to spend hearing about a different team in the league, but we're going to update things each and every week. It's just what we do during the season. We'll give you some updates before we actually dive into the film on Sundays. So want to spend as much time as we can breaking down things that we saw, things that we know, things that we like about SEC football teams. But we're glad that you're with us each and every Sunday because we feel like more college football content needs to come to you on Sundays, even if it's Easter and I'm at a hotel room in San Antonio doing some XFL football today. We've got uh, Houston, the Roughnecks at the San Antonio Brahmas. Uh, so hopefully a lot of you guys lock in for that one and, and check it out. So have a happy Easter again. And as you guys know, as always, we're brought to you by Wickles Pickles. That is our title sponsor. We appreciate them being a sponsor of the show. Wickedly delicious. You can get them in your grocery store. We had a couple of you tweet out uh, some jars of Wickles in your grocery store and in different states, not just in Alabama. So we always appreciate that. Appreciate Wickles being a sponsor of the show and helping us out here. And uh, if you find them in your grocery store, grab them. They're wonderful to snack on, great for sandwiches, burgers. And if you can't find them, go to the website, WicklesPickles.com, and they'll drop ship them to you. It's that easy. All right, uh, let's go spring football games first. Quickly, before we go into South Carolina, again, we're going to give you a full South Carolina spring preview. It's coming your way here just in a minute or two. But when we get spring games, we're going to break all those down. Um, yesterday, Vanderbilt gets going. And I, I think that you lose Ray Davis, right? So you're concerned about that. But you see Cedric Alexander, true freshman running back, looks pretty good. Has a 15-yard touchdown. I think he's a guy who can really help. May fill that void. You don't want to put it all on him because he's still a true freshman, but a guy who I think can really help. Um, now, A.J. Swan, he's your quarterback. He throws a pick six. Uh, there were a couple receivers that were open that he missed. That was disappointing to see because he's a veteran now. He's been around. He's played enough football to have an understanding that you get a crosser or a slant, that ball needs to be accurate. That ball needs to be on time. He needs to have an understanding of 
that football where it needs to be when it needs to get out. Also, a little bit later in the game, I, I haven't seen reports on exactly what happened or what was going on, but he kind of exits the game. Now, it was late, so it, it could have looked like you know he was just finished for the day, but potentially something happened with some medical folks checking him out. I, I don't know if there's an extent, if there is an actual injury. Not sure. I hope not because it's late in spring. You don't want to see that to your starting quarterback. The good news, as we stated with our Vanderbilt spring preview a couple of weeks ago, was you have Ken Seals on this roster. Now, Ken Seals, a guy who, when he came in, I can remember Jordan Rodgers and I had Vanderbilt a couple of times watching him in warm-ups, throw the football. Like, he throws a beautiful ball. He's got talent. He's got a pretty big arm. So him staying around as a backup, I thought, was really valuable for Vanderbilt this season. He had a pretty nice day, threw a couple of nice balls. So he's a guy that could help out a little bit. Uh, then you've got this Walter Taylor kid, the true freshman, I mean, looks like a small forward in, in the NBA and has an absolute cannon. I mean, he gives you some Joe Milton vibes a little bit. And he comes in, throws a big ball down the sideline right before the end of the half. He's somebody from a talent perspective I think you're excited about, what he can bring to you. Um, but he's raw. He's not going to be ready to actually be a starting quarterback just yet, but maybe could offer some change up, do some different things, and you develop him over time. Um, you know, Quincy Skinner ha had a nice touchdown catch. I thought he did a nice job outside as far as being a receiver. Bryce Callum was everywhere at linebacker. I mean, 48 was just ripping it up. He in this defense is going to be very effective, very successful. Uh, Darren Agu, um, early enrollee defensive lineman, I think is somebody that's going to help. Uh, you know, 6'6", 255, somebody who I think physically can develop into something even more different than he is right now. He was a guy that stuck out over on that side of the ball, you know, Dericky Wright had the pick six. Uh, you hate seeing that for A.J. Swan. You love seeing it for the defense, being able to take a ball back and put it into the end zone. So uh, I thought there were some good things that you saw from, from this Vanderbilt spring game. Uh, some life and some young guys that are going to help. Uh, we mentioned that running back, a defensive line, um, maybe even at quarterback uh, in a couple of different ways. Uh, the disappointments, I thought, were the offensive line. This is a veteran group. Um, I, I know they're not a, a bunch of first or second round draft picks, but they've played a lot of football together. And I expected them to handle themselves in a little bit of a better fashion in this setting. It's only one practice. It's only one game, whatever you want to call it. So it, you don't make a complete judgment based on what you see. But I thought that group would look a little bit better. I want to see more from them in the fall. So I think there will be some things that Clark Lee leaves that he's excited about. I would say key takeaways were some of the freshmen, some of the younger guys that are going to help. Uh, you got a Stanford transfer defensive line. I think it's going to help you a lot, too. What is wrong with A.J. Swan? If anything, that's going to be a big question. And then defensively, I think you've got a in the middle a linebacker and a couple of D linemen that are going to be able to help you go out and make plays consistently. All right, Auburn spring game yesterday. A little bit more to take away from that one uh, because we probably just had more questions in general because things are going to be so different. The first thing that I'll say about the Auburn spring game is schematically with Coach Freeze and Coach Montgomery, it evens so many things out. There will be less directed plays that only have a one-way go, if that makes any sense. So there will be less things designed to just go right here or that have to hit right there or have to work this way or to this side. You saw Robbie Ashford keep a lot of zone reads. You, you don't want him to keep as many, but if they're there, you want him to have the ability to take them and force a defense to play them that way. Um, also, you know, even just in the run game, um, there's a really cool moment where coach freeze is talking to Chris Doring and he talks about how they have outside zone called. It goes to the left. Well, 
Then you see, I believe it was Demari Olsen, basically take it off the right tackle on the other side and just kind of go north and south. There will be so many different areas that this run game can be effective and that balls can hit in different ways. One, because of the quarterback run. Two, I think because of some of the different motions and formations you're going to get. And then three, how they coach it up. Um, you know, Jake Thornton and those guys are going to have the understanding with those running backs of saying, you know, because the defense is aligned this way, it's outside zone. You know, you, we can then add some verbiage like zone cut or zone hit late in the year. And then all of a sudden those plays are going to hit in different areas. I liked a couple of the guys up front of the offensive line. I thought Avery Jones did some really nice things. Thought he looked pretty aggressive. Uh, climbed to the second level well. That was one thing in general with the offensive line that I saw that I liked is that this group had just a really good feel for combo blocks, how to work together, then leave and climb up to a linebacker or when not to leave, even if that means you don't block the linebacker, but you secure that first level. Some of those things you haven't seen consistently from an Auburn offensive line in a very long time. So I was excited to see that. I thought that was really good. That showed progress by that group. Now, Dylan Wade, he is that guy. Um, you saw him be pretty effective in the run game, but it was pass protection that I was very impressed. Left tackle, left side, rarely gave up anything that would appear to be a pressure in that setting yesterday. It was wet. It was rainy. It's tough to take a lot away, even individually for a lot of these young men, based on the conditions and then also based on the setting because it's going to be very controlled. Keep that in mind. This isn't a free-for-all. It's isn't just a football game where guys are going out making checks, running different things, slants, stunts, twists. You know, reverses, motions, handoffs, trick plays. I mean, it's a very controlled environment. So it's 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 dumbed down to an extent that it will be difficult to take certain things away. But if you peel peel back and, and really dive into it, there are certain things that you can find that you will either like or don't like. Dylan Wade was something I really liked in this game. He just all the expectations that I've had, you guys have heard me rave about him. He is going to be that dude at left tackle for Albert. Um I thought Clay Whedon did some nice things. I thought Garter Langlo did some nice things up front of the offensive line. Now that doesn't mean technically and fundamentally that those two are ready to go play right now but i just like seeing the physicality and the effort and finishing blocks and seeking out work going to trying to find somebody to maybe get a hit on or maybe trying to go do something that is going to allow your play to have a little bit more success five yards ten yards down the field there just felt like there was more aggressiveness from that group altogether than we've seen in quite some time i was appreciative of that uh, Xavion Miller was somebody I was really interested to see. We've talked about him. Juco transfer, tackle, probably going to end up over on the right side. Don't really know what he's capable of because, I'm sorry, I haven't seen the tape on Juco kids. Like, yeah, a couple highlights out there, but I need to see down in, down out, series in, series out, a couple games before I have an idea of what you're capable of. Athletically, I thought he moved well. Uh, there was a couple things they missed over on the right side and pass pro, both groups. Some of that, I think, was slide protection and some miscommunication. So you're not going to go crazy there. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a one-on-one -on -one loss. Like you saw Gunnar Britton had a bad one-on-one -on -one loss. Um, and, you know, that's it's going to happen. It's fine. But Xavier Miller, the main thing that I took away was the pad level's got to change. He he's, it looks like a bit of a backbender. And you you can't bend at the waist in this league and have a lot of success. That's That's got to be something that continues to come with his game if he's going to be able to hold up against SEC pass rushers and just against SEC edge defenders in the run game. So a couple takeaways up front there. Sean Jackson at running back is a kid that can help this team. Um, he, is, he can be that bowling ball, change up, short yardage. I think pass protection where he can be a, a big strength and really add something a little bit extra. But he moves well enough to help you out in space. He has a good feel of sort of when to get outside, when to get north and south, and he finishes runs hard. So 
if you recall, there was some buzz about Sean last year, kind of coming out of spring, going into fall, that he could really be a guy that helped and he could be somebody that that they leaned on. I, I remember that staff last year telling me how much they liked him. I think he helps a little bit this year. Because listen, Jarkis Hunter, we know what he's capable of. He is the guy. He is the dude. But I really do believe that Sean Jackson helps his team. Demario Alston gives you a little bit of that changeup. You know, uh, he's very slippery, super explosive. I think he gets to top speed very quickly. He showed you that in that game yesterday. So he can be a changeup that I think is going to be exceptional. And then Batty as well showed you out of the backfield, uh, whether he he bounces outside, you could use him in motion, you could throw him the football. Like he's great out in space. So the numbers at running back, I think, are really going to help this offense. You will probably see at least Olsen and Batty used in different ways, be moved around, probably some two back, motion one out, get him the football quickly that way to be able to help this offense even up the defenses and take advantage of playmakers other than just handing them the football. But all in all, schematically, what I really liked was just how you can see this offense force the defense to defend different things. And the quarterbacks, they're not there. They're not ready. Like Robbie had a nice seam down the middle to DeVar Dawson. It was a good throw, good catch. Uh, but then you see TJ Finley try to go deep, and the check down's right there. And just has to have the understanding, take the 10-yard out. Or take the hitch and just throw it, be happy, gain a first down, come back and fight and live another day. Uh, those things are going to have to be something the quarterbacks are more consistent with. Uh, defensively, thought the youngster Keldrick Falk looked pretty good out on the end. He did a couple of nice things. Uh, Messiah Nasil Kite, uh, the defensive line transfer from Maryland, who is a, a little bit of a different body type, he had a nice one-on-one pass rush win. I think he helps inside. And especially laterally, he's a guy that we talked about watching his film at Maryland that he runs really well. So him tracking plays down, something I think he's going to be able to help with. Uh, Marcus Harris made a nice couple of nice plays, you know, tracking things down from the backside, being a little bit disruptive inside as well. So I, I thought I didn't think there were as many disruptive plays by the front as I thought there would be. A couple of those guys not going to the extent that you want them to. You don't have all your bodies out there, but. You know, all in all, I thought there were some positive takeaways in the Auburn spring game. The backs are going to be a strength. The offensive line is going to be better. The quarterback runs by design and with options are going to help everything else. The tempo, the speed, the formations, the alignment is all going to help all aspects of the offense, but the quarterback's got to be consistent. And that I'm not talking about just throwing the football, like completing slants. I'm talking about consistent with their reads and the understanding of exactly what the plays need to be and what needs to be required of them on certain plays. But you should leave with a lot of positives from that game if you're an Auburn fan because there are things that have been deficiencies in the past that look like they will now not be weaknesses and maybe even end up being strengths of the football team. One thing we could really tell is wide receiver. I leave that Auburn spring game still having question marks about that spot. I just don't know. Uh, and, And this was a comment from earlier in the week from Hugh Freeze Again, that I think a lot of people listen to press conferences, and he went on to give positives about four, five, six different receivers, but however, had this to say at the end of the discussion about pass catchers on this Auburn football team. In the system, eight receivers, the game, I don't really care who's first team, second. I don't really care about all that. I care that they understand what we're doing and through the right spots, doing the right technique, and hopefully can finish plays. Okay, so if you listen to all of that and go back and find his press conference, you'll hear Hugh Freeze give you positive of certain receivers. But saying that this team needs eight, to me, is somewhat alarming. 
because there's there are definitely not eight SEC receivers on that roster. Now, I know they don't all have to be the exact same caliber, but this tells me that it, it is almost five alarm time for a couple of receivers to step up and be able to help this football team. We don't know exactly who those are going to be. Like I said, you got a couple that are out in spring, a couple that maybe we would have gotten a better opportunity to see with better weather yesterday, and we really didn't. But that is going to be a priority for Hugh Freeze and his staff moving into this transfer portal window that's about to open because obviously they need numbers there. Still have a couple of guys that maybe can step up and be guys that help them, like saw Landon King catch a nice slant yesterday and got a couple extra yards out of it. There are bodies that can help, but I think they believe they need more. And they need more who can be really top-end guys that might not be on that roster just yet. All right, so that's Auburn spring game from yesterday. We'll break all these spring games down as they happen. Also brought to you by Blue Delta Jeans, the most comfortable denim on planet Earth. Go to BlueDeltaJeans.com. Check them out. Custom denim that you can order that's going to fit you exactly the way that you want. You'll never need another pair of jeans. Feels like you're wearing pajama pants and you're going to look sharp. You can dress them up with a shirt and a sport coat. Go out on the town and be good to go. Blue Delta Jeans, I have a couple pair. Nick and the guys will take great care of you. Tell them you heard about them right here on the Cube Show podcast. South Carolina Spring Preview. Oh, this is an interesting team. Um, first off, Dole Loggins comes in as the offensive coordinator. And I'm not going to doubt Shane Beamer on his relationships in the coaching world. And I think that's why he got a little bit riffed about it when you heard the press conference after this hire was announced saying, did you call this guy? Did you call that guy? Have you talked to him like I did before I brought him in? All those answers are going to be no, of course. So, uh, But he's got some experience in the NFL. He's got some experience with similar offenses. The main thing that I believe that you'll see, let's start with the scheme offensively. I do believe it'll be a little bit more quarterback friendly. When you have a quarterback with elite talent, why would you not want to cater to him and his skill set to allow him to be as successful as humanly possible? I believe more of that happens now is Spencer Rattler back at quarterback. Good news for Spencer Rattler. He's got a couple elite targets he's going to be able to throw the ball to. I think the verbiage will probably change. I had South Carolina a couple times last year, and I can tell you, Spencer sat down with us and told us, guys, I'm going from red 12 and blue 60 to a paragraph to call a play. You guys have heard that West Coast verbiage. You know, trade to ref light, flip, zone out, X, Y, Z cross, X smash, over 42 on one, ready break, whatever. It gets lengthy. I think that will be kind of dumbed down just a little bit to be able to help it all be easier. I think what can happen here is the operation overall can be a little bit easier, a little more simple, and therefore look a little bit more effective. And I think Coach Satterfield knows offense. I have no doubt in my mind about that. I mean, look what they were able to do at certain points in time. It's just consistently being able to get everybody on the same page. I think that can happen with this offensive coordinator change. And also the good news is you got a lot on the core of that staff that's going to be back. Jody Wright's going to be back coaching tight ends. Justin Stepp's going to be back coaching receivers. Those guys are fantastic. Uh, I celebrated uh, the hire of Lonnie Teasley as the offensive line coach. You know, hated to see they had to make that move for some personal reasons, but Lonnie is amazing. And he's also been there helping out. So there, there's a, there's a, the core group of that offensive staff remains intact, and that is extremely positive because they have good position coaches. They're going to keep that group together and be able to hopefully go improve things. Now, on that side of the football, uh, we know Spencer Rattler. I think he's got more, more targets here that are going to be comfortable with him that he's going to be comfortable with, and I, I think he has a chance to sort of take his game to the next level, take a big step. And we've seen it fluctuate a little bit, been a bit of a roller coaster, but. 
I think he's locked in, focused. I think, you know, the whole humbling portion has already taken place. Now he's ready to sort of, you know, begin to climb another mountain here. And I think he has a chance to do that this year. The main reason being Juice Wells, who's going to be back at wide receivers. Avery Leggett, who's a solid number two. Um, you know, also you bring in Eddie Lewis from Memphis, who if you go back a couple of episodes, we talked about him, a guy that I know Memphis wanted to keep. He's going to be a solid route runner. Um, not an elite hands guy, not an elite speed guy, but somebody who I think does a lot, of, like a B plus in a lot of areas of his game. So he'll help. He'll be a guy that absolutely helps. Um, and then that backup quarterback spot, I think Luke Doty, uh, Tanner Bailey are going to battle for the number two spot. But watch out for this Lenora Sellers kid. Um, you know, six three, two thirty, freshman. Uh, I think he was banged up as a junior in high school, so he had limited tape out there. Didn't get to all the camps. But you talk about talent, I think he's got it. And just down the road, I don't know if he could help a lot this year, but uh, I think he's got a bright future there in Columbia. Maybe could be somebody who helps with a couple different things there as well. So offensively, quarterback returning, big-time receivers back, a lot of the core staff that's going to return. And that's kind of across the board. Like Clayton White's back at defensive coordinator, and Shane Beamer's obviously back as the head coach. Here's the kicker for all you South Carolina fans. And listen, I've got family in Columbia. Like I was listening to Sandstorm before we cranked this thing up. I was getting ready to go, you know, pretending like I was at the Willie B. Obviously, it's it's the most underrated college atmosphere in the country, in my opinion. The best news for you guys is you got Justin King back as your video coordinator. So your uniform reveals or your your family matters videos, whatever that is, that's all Justin King, man. And he is one of the most valuable guys, one of the most valuable employees at any SEC school. So the fact that Shane Beamer held on to him is incredible because that guy probably deserves another raise and is amazing at what he does. So be appreciative for Justin and give him a shout out if you're ever talking about South Carolina football. Um, all right. Behind the quarterback, um, as we know, to carry on Jordan now makes the move to tailback. I all reports are that he has had a really nice spring at running back, which is crazy because this dude used to be a quarterback. Then we saw him go to receiver. Then we see him go back to quarterback in the bowl game. And Shane Beamer even told me, he's like, I'm going to take responsibility for not utilizing to carry on more at quarterback and helping change our offense up before the bowl game because he absolutely could have helped us. I love the fact that Shane can admit those things and say those things and have the self-confidence and awareness to say, Probably should have done a little bit more of that. That's on me. That's my fault. We're going to change that moving forward. Now he's at running back. So you have a, and, and the coolest part is what I hear about him in the spring is that he's been great in pass pro because that's the main knock on young running backs coming in or big elite backs is a lot of times they don't want to help in pass pro. You're going to have to, especially in this league with not only pressures that are going to be brought with exotic fronts, but guys who are going to win, you're going to have to help at times because not every offensive lineman is going to be able to hold up against SEC rushers. It's just not going to happen. So him being back there, he has the understanding of a quarterback playing the position. He has the understanding of how to run routes because he's, he's played wide receiver. We know he can catch the football. To carry on Joyner may it be in a sneaky, super valuable player as far as like utility guys doing different things for a football team this upcoming season. I don't expect him to be a, a guy who carries a heavy load, 20, 30 carries a game, but he's definitely going to help. Uh, but the vision, the feel apparently is pretty good. And some of that comes also with, I mean, the quarterback run game that he's been a part of. Like he understands when he's going to keep the ball and run, what to look at, how to see things, when to bounce, when to cut, when to get north and south. So I just think it's cool that he has all these other facets of football that he's been involved in, and they're all going to help what he's going to go do now. We just haven't seen him be a full-time running back. 
Mario Anderson, uh, the Newberry transfer. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I haven't seen the tape on Newberry. If you can help me find where that is, uh, please, you know, hit up at Cube Show on Instagram or Twitter and tell me how I can go get that because I haven't seen it. But, you know, 5'9", 208. So a little bit more of that bowling ball style. Um, he's got to get better in pass pro, as we talked about. Smaller school kids, a lot of times they're not asked to do it and they don't have to. But physically, I, I think he can be an SEC running back. He, he has those tools just when you see the measurables and you do see the highlights of what he's capable of. I think he's got that ability. Juju McDowell is still there. Obviously, he brings more of your quick twitch, can help you a little bit more on the perimeter. You've got some numbers. And then maybe Dontavious Braswell, the freshman, can come in and help. Um, you know, I think you've got good numbers there. You have different type backs that specialize in different things that can help you in different ways. There's value in that for South Carolina. So I, I think all of that, you feel pretty good about the offense. And then you go to wide receivers. We talked about, I think Juice Wells is the best returning receiver in the SEC. I don't really have to go far into that. I think the kid's that talented. I think the kid's going to have that big of a year. Uh, Xavier Leggett, solid. Eddie Lewis from Memphis, we mentioned. Um, you know, Marion Brown's had a really nice spring. He could be a guy that helps. Um, and then also the tight end room is going to help. Uh, you got incoming freshmen like Maurice Brown, uh, Reed McKeeska, uh, you know, Connor Cox. I think there, there are two, maybe three freshman tight ends that have a chance to help this South Carolina roster. Now, these kids are coming out of high school, so I don't know a ton about it. I'm not going to pretend like they're Yes, going to come in and be 50-catch guys and be able to block edge rushers in the SEC. I don't know. But I do know in this scheme, they're going to rely on that position. We saw Jaheim Bell last year, and we've obviously, you know, Big 44 did a lot of a lot of dirty work for this offense last year. And he's going to be gone, but you, you're going to have different bodies that can help in different ways. They want to utilize those guys. Trey Knox comes over from Arkansas. Is he a true tight end? No. But he may be a little bit more willing Jaheim Bell. I remember when Trey Knox made the move from wide receiver to tight end at Arkansas. And every time this happens, you immediately think, oh, God, they're going to be a liability at, at you know trying to block anybody. They're not going to get in front of anyone. They're just going to fall down and act like they're trying to get in somebody's way. They're not going to put their face mask in there. Trey Knox had no business trying to block SEC defensive ends. But by God, he'd put his face mask in there and try to go get him. And he would attack, and he'd run his feet, and he'd shoot his hands. And a lot of times, they'd toss him off or he'd whiff. But he got a little bit better at it and got a little bit better at it. He's more than willing and now has become capable. I'm not saying he's dominant, okay? Uh, you know, I'm not saying he's gronk from a blocking perspective by any stretch of the imagination. But keep in mind, he still has that receiver skill set. He's got great hands, giant catch radius. He's a good route runner, not a super speed guy but he's a matchup problem. And now that comes into the South Carolina offense where they can move him. They can detach him out. Do you label him a receiver or a tight end? They can put him in line. You can match a linebacker up with him. So he becomes a problem defensively. And you, you'll hear us talk about this over and over almost every week is identifying offensive players from a defensive standpoint. If you can pose problems that way, you're going to get matchups that you like. Trey Knox is that kind of a matchup guy. Um, you know, Nick Elskins, uh, the Florida transfer, this is a kid that Dan Mullen recruited. So, you know, athletically, he's got to be capable of doing different things. I think he's got a chance to help. He's had a good spring. Uh, you know, Joshua Simon uh, from Western Kentucky. I saw him against Auburn last year, and I've watched his tape. Pretty athletic. Could do, the, could do some different things. He might be a little bit more of your do-it-all tight end. Um, he had two catches against Auburn. They were both touchdowns last year. So he's another one that's going to help. The good news is you have numbers there. And kind of like what we said with running back, where you also have numbers, you have different body types, different styles, different skill sets that you can choose from. 
I think those are all positives with what South Carolina is going to have on offense. Which brings us to, I, I don't want to say the ultimate question mark, but the ultimate sort of what if for the South Carolina team, in my opinion. And they're going to be one of those coin flip teams, as we talked about, where a couple of things go their way. It could be a nine-win season, maybe more. If those things don't go their way, eh, will you be bowl eligible? Um, but I lean more towards the positives with everything that returns on this team. But that in-between right there is Nicholas Harbor, uh, one of the highest recruits in the history of South Carolina football and a young man that is 6'5", 225. And I do not say this lightly, and you will not hear me rave about a ton of incoming freshmen because it's I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend like I know. I don't cover recruiting, and I haven't been out watching high school games and high school tape. But this man has legitimate track speed. And I don't just throw that term around, that phrase around. I, I, I don't pretend when I say that. If you hear me say a kid has legit track speed, it means they can freaking go. And this dude can go. Is he a tight end? Is he a wide receiver? There are certain people that will tell you that this kid could be a millionaire Russ in the passer one day. I do think he starts on offense. I believe he wants to try offense first. That also tells me he probably wants to be more receiver than tight end. But you've got a Trey Knox, you had a Jaheim Bell, you have an offense that moves people around and moves parts around. You have an offense that can go fast at times, so therefore wants different pieces that can line up different places. So when I say that, what I mean is, like to kind of break that down, if you're running tempo and you have a Trey Knox, or let's just say a Nicholas Harbor or a Jaheim Bell or whatever, a Kyle Pitts at Florida, and you can go super fast and line that guy up in the slot, and then on the next play, line him up as an H, and like off the ball a little bit. And then on the next play, line him up as a traditional tight end with his hand in the date. Next to an offensive tackle, well, you've just added multiple formations and you force the defense to play you different ways. And when you have that defense trapped by going fast, you're going to get to that formation that favors that matchup the most. So that that's why this is so valuable and the tight ends making such a resurgence is because the offenses have to stay ahead of the game of finding little advantages. And this is a big one right now because defenses haven't mastered how to counter it a lot of the times. So all that being said, the biggest concern for me will be the offensive line. You, you lost Jovan Gwynn. You lost a couple of starters. You lost some physicality. You lost some players that have done a lot. But from everything that I hear, uh, this Nick Garguilo, who comes in from Yale, has brought in all the pieces of an offensive lineman that you want. He is an MFer. He is physical. He's got the nasty. I'll tell you this about Nick Garguilo, and I'm sorry if I'm butchering that name. Go look at the South Carolina roster lookup number 69 and just tell me that, that that picture is not everything that you would think you wanted from at least one of your offensive linemen. I mean, the dude just looks like he's out there trying to road grade people, but he apparently has that nasty inside of him. He's got some leadership. Didn't want to leave Yale. And until I started looking into South Carolina, I didn't really know this, but in the Ivy League, you can't play as a graduate. They don't allow that. And so congrats for that. Whatever. I mean, yay you. Are you what what do you accomplish by that, by the way? Let a kid go to grad school and play for I don't know. Maybe that's I'm not a smart person. So it's probably not good for me to question anything the Ivy League's doing. But Yale also announces one captain a year. One, one player on the team is captain. And this young man was the captain of that football team. What does that tell you about the personality, 
and the leadership and the mindset of that dude. So I would expect him to do some really nice things. I think he's going to be over at left guard. I think at right guard, Trey Jones probably ends up being there. He's athletic. He's a little undersized, but he can move really well. Um, Boshan Lee's played a lot. I think he'll end up being your center. Ja'Kai Moore probably at right tackle. He's played a lot. You know, he... um He's he he's got some experience and he's somebody who can help. And then I think Jaden Nichols ends up being your left tackle. But there are some young players like Marquis Anderson who are turning heads that are already there. He's already in school. He's in spring ball. I think he's going to help. And this offensive line will need help from a depth perspective or up front starting. And I don't know if Marquis Anderson starts right away, but I think he can be a help. You know, Carson Henry is going to help that group. He's out this spring. I think there are a couple of other youngsters coming in that can help, but don't be surprised if the portal is not utilized, if another offensive lineman is there for the taking and South Carolina can go grab one to either bring depth or force more competition or to actually upgrade at a certain spot. That's the coin flip part of this whole thing. If the offensive line comes around a little bit, it's very similar to Auburn that we've talked about. They just, just be enough because with this new offense and with a little bit of mobility from quarterback, and the different backs, tight ends you're going to be able to use in a legit X, a big-time number one receiver that the back end of the defense is going to have to pay attention to. It's going to open a lot of other things up. But the O-line's just got to hold up. Like, just be C-plus, B-minus most of the time, and things could be pretty good for this South Carolina offense. Defensively, you took a lot of big hits. Obviously, you lose Cam Smith, he's out in that secondary uh, you know, you got a transfer D lineman going out to Oregon. I, it, it doesn't look great on the surface, but the good news is, and we forget about this because it was so early, but you get one of your best pass rushers back in Jordan Strong, and you get Mo Kaba back at linebacker. Now they need to be healthy. That's another portion of the coin flip part of the South Carolina team, but that's your best pass rusher and that's your best off the ball linebacker. If those two can go the majority of the season and be what we think they can be, Jordan Strong led the nation in sacks a couple of years ago at, at Georgia State. And they need that pass rush off the edge. Tonka Hemingway's not going through practice in the spring, or at least fully, but he's played a ton of ball. He's a good player inside. He can help. Boogie Huntley, obviously, we see what he's capable of. He's a solid interior defensive lineman. Uh, but I think you get Elijah Davis, a last chance you kid, transferring in. I think he can help inside. You know, TJ Sanders has kind of turned some heads this spring. I think he can help the Gamecocks inside a little bit. Uh, you got a, a freshman in Xavier Mallard who maybe comes in at, at 6'4", 320, I think. Maybe he can help a little bit. Uh, so there are some numbers there in on the inside that I think can help. Out on the edge, like Tyree Johnson's a vet. Like they, Tyreek Johnson, they need him to help a little bit. They need him to be pretty good. Uh, Des Umalozela, I probably butchered that name. Incoming freshman, again, don't know a ton about him. Expectations high. He's going through spring ball. Maybe he's ahead of the curve, and maybe he can help a little bit. Uh, Pup Grayson's a freshman that I think maybe could help at linebacker some. We know Mo Kaba's going to be there. I do question the depth at linebacker a little bit. I think that could be a little bit of a concern, something that I don't think I feel strongly about with this South Carolina football team. And then you've got O'Donnell Fortune, uh, Marcellus Dial at corner. I think that's going to be fine. David Spalding's back in the secondary. Uh, Nicky, safety's going to be fine. I mean, you, you've got two quality safeties that are coming back to the South Carolina football team and Nicky Minori uh, and DQ Smith. Kareem Nelson's back on the back end of that defense as well. I'm, I'm not worried about the back end of the defense at all. I think Clayton White's crew back there is going to be fine. They've got good numbers. 
They've got some flexibility. They can move some guys, and they have a lot of playing experience there as well. So I think with South Carolina, the offensive line, can they can they be better? Can they be enough to allow the running backs, the number one receiver, and a talented quarterback just go and do what they do the majority of the time? I think simplizing some things, verbiage, terminology, improving the procedure of the offense a little bit can allow everyone to be a little bit more successful. I do think this team's got to stay healthy on defense. We mentioned with Strawn, we mentioned with Kaba, and even internally, a couple of those guys up front, like Tom, Tonka Hemingway and Boogie Huntley, they, they don't have a ton of numbers behind those guys. That would be another concern area, just building some depth there. Maybe some of these freshmen we talked about, like what if Nicholas Harbor breaks out and is just amazing? And he's a matchup nightmare. No one has an answer for him. That could take South Carolina to a different level. There's some coin flip aspects to this team, but I do lean a little bit more towards the positive with what South Carolina is and what South Carolina is going to be. And listen, I'm not going to try to pretend. We talked about it with Arkansas last week. There are two teams that it feels like with every single season are going to be one of the most difficult schedules in all of college football. That doesn't get a whole lot different for the Gamecocks this year. As you get that neutral side opener um, against North Carolina with who is potentially the number one overall draft pick in a couple of years at quarterback and Drake May, Furman, and then you're at Georgia. Mississippi State, a team, yeah, you get them at home. We don't even know what they're going to look like on offense right now. Then you're at Tennessee with Joe Milton, some people's dark horse Heisman candidate. At Missouri, at AM, Jacksonville State, who's going up to FBS with Rich Rod and those guys there. Vandy, Kentucky, Clemson to close it out. It's a brutal schedule, but keep in mind, there are a few more of those teams on that schedule that we look at as brutal. There also have some coin flip aspects, so you don't know which way that pendulum's going to swing. I feel good about this South Carolina team. I feel really good about this South Carolina program. Even if it doesn't hit the ceiling this year, I think the youth that's going to play and the, the direction of the recruiting Things are all heading in the right direction, and Gamecock fans should be excited. Thank you for being with us. Please go follow us on Twitter at Cube Show, Instagram at Cube Show. The YouTube is actually at Cube Show 61. You can search Cube Show on, on YouTube. Please subscribe. I think we just climbed over a thousand. We're this little baby show. We got people in the comments, you know, talking shit about uh, how many subscribers we have, and we're not very popular and nobody likes us. But you guys that are sticking with us, we thank you and we appreciate you. And this thing's only going to get better. We're only going to keep improving it. We're going to put more resources into it and bring you legitimate, no-nonsense college football content every single Sunday. Happy Easter. Happy Master Sunday. Happy XFL Sunday. And we will be back next week. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.